Hey guys, welcome to Adrian Has Issues. I'm Adrian, and this one's a lot of fun. My guest for today, I actually met back in, I would say last year, a special edition NYC, and I really enjoyed his story, but I'm going to actually introduce him first before I get into it. He's the uh, <laughs> editor-in-chief of the creator-owned imprint, Vantage In-House Productions, pretty much running, he's pretty much a boss, like seriously, there's no other no way to say it, because he's now. just amazing. Come on now. No, come on, you're pretty awesome. All right, hey, hey, give it up for uh, Victor Dandridge. Victor, how's it going, man? I'm good, man, I'm good. How are you doing today? I'm doing all right. So I got to tell this story again only because this is probably like the best encounter I've ever had with somebody. This was New York Special Edition NYC, which is like the smaller version right. of your Comic-Con last summer, I want to say. I want to say it was uh, in uh, June. Yeah, it was actually in June. I had just finished meeting Jason Latour. Some of you might know from his work with, let's say, Wolverine and the X-Men, Southern Bastards. I bought the first issue of Southern Bastards, got it autographed, and he actually did a cool bump for other show, Agent and Atlas Have Issues. So then I'm walking over, then I see your table, and it's like, you have all this really cool 8-bit stuff, which we'll get into in a minute. And you, I was trying to say hi, looking at your stuff, and you see that in my hand I'm holding a copy of Southern <laughs> Bastards. You stopped me, turned me away from your booth, and demanded I go back over to Jason Latour's booth and buy the second issue. Okay, I mean, okay, I'll, I'll be honest. Most people wouldn't do that. However, however, that series is one of the best comic creations I have read in a long time. Like, I, it would have been a disservice to you for me to try to engage you in any capacity before you had finished like purchasing what was available of that series like that's that's so real and at that point well i guess this is almost more of a love letter to jace latour and well southern bastards in particular because hey you're not wrong that book is amazing yes but here's a guy who was willing to turn away a potential sale <laughs> just so that way he can get another comic and i'm like you know what if that isn't appreciation i don't know what is man i mean i i mean i'm a fan of comics first like that's first and foremost i am a fan i have been a fan i will always be a fan so when something is good it deserves your full attention and support and that's that's a series that like issue seven just came out this week and i'm still just as in love with it as i was when when issue two and number one came out it is a fantastic comic series Which i won't spoil it though but of course you know the twist i'm talking about broke my heart oh man Man, that like I rarely like. I mean, don't get me wrong; there are amazing comics out there. But when I read this, I'm sitting there holding the pages and just like looking around. And like, does anyone else like feel this right now? What's happening? Like, right? it was like, it was oh intense. I well, the thing that's that's been getting me is the fact that they are making you care about who they previously established was quote unquote the bad guy, right? Like. That is like, okay, so I do a, a video uh, review series called Black, White, and Red All Over. And we talked about that this week that essentially what they have done with Southern Bastards is what George Lucas attempted to do with the prequel Star Wars uh, movies. Okay, how so elaborate? Because now, now okay. you've got my attention. I know, right? Okay, so you established Vader as like the baddest ass of all badasses, right? And, right. and, like by the end of by the end of it all, like even if even after the redemption, you're still kind of like Vader was still a bad dude. So with the prequels, you're supposed to kind of see how it happened, how he goes from this like very caring uh, Jedi, you know, this very like hopeful, balanced to the Force, the whole nine, and then becomes this terrible being that we know as Vader. Right. They totally did that with Coach Boss. So like you you get introduced to him in this this very malicious sort of way. Um, and again, he too, like almost in the same vein of, of Vader has that, that quality where, um, after what he does to Tubbs, man, like he, he, he dismantles Tubbs, like kills the man and then shows up with the, the stick that he beat him with at the restaurant to confront the entire town for letting him do it. And that was, that was nuts. And I, uh, 
I know we pretty much just gave away like a big plot point. I don't, I don't, you haven't read this book by now. You're you don't deserve spoiler alerts. <laughs> 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 but again, that's kind of how I guess I met you is pretty much you know through an admiration of another person's book. But yes. that encounter, in a way, kind of gave me an idea as the person whom I was dealing with because it's really I always get a big kick out of conventions especially small ones where you know and again this is obviously not a slight at all but you know you're very you know it's a indie you know i guess uh how do you want to say you know in terms like a, of like my input of things yeah it's like a creator owned you know like your own like you know project oh definitely that but to see you know you and then of course like across from you you have guys who you know maybe work for like you know really big companies and it was cool because unfortunately with some of the larger conventions there tends to be like that weird sort of disconnect between, you know, some of your more established oh, artists yeah. and creators and your indie guys. And I imagine it's not obviously the fault of, you know, the people, because again, everybody just wants to make comics or write them or what have you. But I guess the companies in themselves, you know, people get put on this pedestal. But it was cool at a convention. It was great meeting you because at the same time, it's like everybody's sort of on equal footing. You know, I, I think that's one of the interesting things about special edition. Um, I, I know that there were some creators that are more acclimated to New York Comic Con that didn't really appreciate what Special Edition was by way of being something a little less, a little more even uh, tempered or, or, or even platform for everyone. Um, but I thought it was something that was really brilliant and special for that specific reason. Um, you you do get that that balance of 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 playing field like it's it's equal opportunity that uh, a lot of shows do not support or or maintain so it's one of the reasons why i absolutely adore it which is really cool and i guess we should probably stop dancing around it and get into your imprint vantage in house productions or vip yes i saw you at your booth you were selling it's um you do like 8-bit renditions of video game and comic book characters yes yes I was the 8-bit guy, like, for a long time. <laughs> How long has that been going on? Um, Well, honestly, and this is kind of funny, I started doing 8-bit stuff in 2010, and that's the same year that I decided to go full-time as a self-publisher. And so um, I didn't actually launch Vantage In-House until 2011, but the the books that I had were completely outshone by the pixel art stuff, like immediately, like they didn't even rate. Um, so I've been steadily doing the pixel art thing for about four, almost five years. Oh, so wow. yeah, like, and, and it's funny too, because during that entire time, like I had books, like I started off um, in early 2010, before I actually started with the uh, 8-bit stuff, I had um, a, a horrible, horrible book um, I look upon it with shame and ire. Um, <laughs> it's called a. Uh, it's called Omnibus Number One. You can actually still get it um, through Indie Planet. Um, but the whole like it is a terrible, terrible book. Like I did everything in it, and I'm not proud of it. Um, just because I think that I could do so much better. But the whole point of the production of it was I was one of those guys that felt that I had an idea of how to do comics that no one else was really doing um, specifically how to do them immediately profitable. Um, there was a, there was a, in 2009, there was a uh, independent comics creator panel at a, a local show here called mid Ohio. It's one that wizard bought a few years later and it's now wizard world, Ohio. Although I think they're going to call it wizard world Columbus since they're going to start uh, having shows in other cities. But um, hmm. some of the other creators that were on this panel, well, I, let me not say it that way. I wasn't on the panel, but uh, some of the creators on there, were speaking of their experience, but the the tone of it was very negative. Like, oh, it's expensive, it's hard, and blah blah blah. And it really sounded discouraging to me. Like, I did not like where they had gone with this. And so, I had written an article that got published on ComicRelated.com, and uh, it's still up there. So, if you look up my name, you'll you'll hear it. It's uh, Indie Comics Panel Rebuttal. Like, that's what they call it. Oh, and, wow. Um, <laughs> that, that sounds so official. <laughs> it did. It was it was crazy official. It kind of, it kind of, it, it's what put me on the stage and, and definitely had some people looking um, as, as who's this guy? Who's, who's he think he is? Um, but basically what I was saying was that um, their information that they were giving was kind of damning 
future generations of creators to making the same mistakes that they did. And I didn't appreciate that. As a creator, um, it's not so much that I have to entertain people, but I also have to find new and incredible ways to still produce work that I can share um, to, to encourage and, and inspire other creators, even if, even people that are already established. It's still my job to kind of do, you know, do some things that will get them more motivated or, or have an easier route where we're in this together. And and it is very like hopeful. I'm such a Justice League kid, you know, when it comes down to it. Um, that that was the basis of this article. And so, of course, you know, somebody on there was like, well, you're talking all this yin yang. Why don't you show us? You know, if you think you've got this way that is so profitable, make it happen. You know, make it so. Um, this is before that meme became so popular, but uh, <laughs> I would have I would have taken it like yes, this is me. So that's what Omnibus is: is this experiment where I did this process of creating a book and set it up through Kablam to where it was immediately profitable if I sold one copy, and I did it. You know, um, I didn't make a huge amount of money by any stretch, but that wasn't the point. It was it was just a simple matter of saying. If you do it this way, it is immediately profitable and no one can take that away from you. Um, but even then, like having all that, the 8-bit stuff was just way better. Like it just, it caught fire and people loved it. And so it outshone my books throughout the duration of my, my publishing. I've been publishing for, it's going on five years and I've got like, oh my goodness, let's see. Total of my my publishing, self, uh, self-publishing stuff, I've got like six or seven different titles. Wow. Out, and no one knew. Like, literally, no one knew. Well, I, I feel guilty now, because, shoot, because to tell you the truth, I was one of those people until I kind of, no, you know. It's not your fault. It is not <laughs> your fault. <laughs> now, I mean, I've talked to some other guys, uh, you know, at conventions. You know, a lot of them, you know, some of them are self-publishers also. Mm-hmm. And I, the one common theme is that, you know, in order to do this, like, you know, they all kind of just sort of dove in, you know. First, it's just, well... You know, a lot of them, you know, had jobs or had, you know, these well-paying jobs and were willing to sacrifice that just to basically go, like, all out with self-publishing. And I can only imagine that's got to be pretty daunting to really go into this because, I mean, obviously you have the utmost confidence in yourself, but there's no real guarantee that it's going to work. No, it's there's no guarantees. You're absolutely right about that. But I was the guy that, like, I had spent most of the early 2000s doing shows and kind of building my idea base of how I thought this could work. So, I mean, we're talking like my first uh, major show um, was in 2003. That was Wizard World Chicago 2003. I mean, there weren't that many, you know, huge shows back then. So like I've been exhibiting at shows since 2004. So I've had like from 2004 to 2000, we'll say 11 was a time period of me having, you know, my own theories about how to do things and really building up my own process for how I wanted to go about it and kind of, you know, putting key pieces into place. I mean, uh, my buddy Dirk Manning, he was at Special Edition. And if you don't know Dirk's work, you definitely got to get a hold of him and his work um, immediately. He's got a Kickstarter going on for uh, one of his books. It's called uh, Tales of Mr. Ree, R-H-E-E. Definitely look him up because Dirk has been like a friend and a mentor to me in a big, 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 bad way. Um, But one of the things that we have often said is that making comics is not a sprinter's medium. Like if you're just in it to just try to do something real quick, this is not the place for you. Uh, (laughs) This this is a marathon game. You got to be willing to put in some work long time and it not even pay off for years to come. You got to be ready for that. And, um, you know, that's that's what I was. You know, I was the guy that when I first was exhibiting, I was pushing other artists despite knowing what, that I could draw, knowing that I could write. I didn't I didn't have any books. I didn't put any books out for myself. Um, it wasn't about me. I was waiting. I was biding my time to really get a, a feel for what I felt, you know, the industry was like. And then I could take that jump. So there's a lot of things that I do um, that would seem like absolutely unconventional but it, it was years worth of planning at stake right there so that's that's the way i do it but again i guess the fact that it's unconventional i think i'll put it to you this way because of course it always goes back to like stupid pop culture references for me 
Um, right. The line from the Matrix, when like right before like they jack in to go see Morpheus, you know, Trinity turns to Neo's like, you know, no one's ever done this before, and the that's person why says, that's, what, "That's how. That's why it's going to work. That's why it's going to work." I'm a Matrix head, so you say Matrix, I'm with you, no matter what. I'm right there. And but that yes, line stuck right. with me, and I guess that's because even just in terms of, I guess that's why I love you know talking to you guys, and especially you know those on an indie or so publishing angle because. A lot of people say, well, it's too big because, you know, you see like these big companies and I'm not trying to, you know, knock them. This isn't necessarily slight, but, you know, see guys like Marvel or DC. And I know Image has gotten really huge lately. Of course. Even for being a smaller company, they're still pretty big. So Mm -hmm. it's like, how do you really get there from here? And I think in a lot of ways it's very intimidating. So, of course, you know, someone like you to then just kind of just go out and be like, you know what, let's just try this. And it's weird for something so difficult. It's almost kind of easy at the same time. It is. Oh my God. Like that's okay. So one of the weird things that I get is as a self publisher, um, I'm accessible, like very accessible. You can hit me up, email, Twitter, any of those things. And you can't necessarily do that all the time with some of the the bigger named uh, companies. You don't necessarily know who to talk to, or there's so many different hands that operate, you know, within the industry or behind the scenes that you don't know which one is the guy to help you do anything. Um, So I'm accessible. And I get a lot of people that come to me and say, well, I've got this story, I've got this idea, and I want to give it to you so you can do X, Y, Z. And I'm like, no. And they're like, what? It's good, (laughs) I promise. I'm like, I don't care if it's good or not. I'd rather show you how to do this because it's a lot easier than you think it is. And I'm like, no, 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 I can't do it. Well, then if you don't feel you can do it, then I don't want to work with you anyway. You know, like that's that's the way that I. I, mean, that, I, I wow. I mean, that sounds harsh, but I guess that makes sense. <laughs> well, I mean, because if I'm like you're, you're you, you would be preaching to the choir, any sort of difficulty that you think exists. I definitely know. You know, I do this full time. I don't have a nine to five job anymore. I actually quit my nine to five job back in 2010 to do this full time. And I've not gone back. I've not had to have a second job. This is what I do for a living. Like, this is it. And, and you know, I'm a I'm a smasher of excuses. Like, I have four children. Um I, I take care of them. You know, I'm, I'm that dad that's always around is, you know, if I'm not out of town at a show, I'm accessible to my kids. Even if I'm supposed to be heading out of town, I will still show up at school just to make sure that everything is on the up and up. I'm that dad. But, um, but yeah, like if you're not, if you're not interested in gaining the, the financial gains and putting in some of that work for yourself, why should I, you know, um, so I'm all about saying that instead of me taking your project and turning it into something, I will teach you how to do it. And maybe you'll come up with some process, some idea or something that I can learn from. And so it's this constant sense of, um, give and take as well as like a, a, a bit of competition, but healthy competition. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, Jordan wouldn't be Jordan if he didn't have bird magic, Dr. J, you know, all these other people to go up against. He wouldn't be Jordan. We wouldn't know or, or have an understanding of how magnificent of a ball player he was if he didn't have those people to go against. If he just dominated everybody, well, it'd just be like, eh, eh, you know. <laughs> but at so, the same time, it's like, you know, everybody else's talents aren't diminished either. Because, I mean, exactly. they're still amazing players. And even though Jordan might have been the one you might have seen more of or maybe got the most press, but yet... Even within, like, the Bulls squad, I mean, Jordan yes. couldn't do what he did without having a good squad to back him up. Absolutely. Without Scotty, Jordan might not have done anything. You know, without Kerr, without, you know, everybody. I mean, the entire, like, I mean, you can even go as far as to say without Phil Jackson, he wouldn't have done it. So there's so many different ways where um, you've got to give out a bit in order to really see how good you actually are. And that's what I'm all about. You know, I will throw out, you know, my, my own ideas about things and let people, you know, pick it apart, have at it. You know, I will share my cookbook. That's what we call it. Sharing our cookbook. Um, and it's, that's definitely something that, you know, when I met Dirk, we, we kind of gravitated towards each other because he does that. He writes a column called right or wrong. That is all about sharing your cookbook, you know, and putting it out there. This is my experience. This is what I've done. This is what I've learned. You tell me what you know, you know, and, and that's has been a brilliant thing. You know, it's something I think, you know, more people would, would do very well to, to take part in. That's got to be. I mean, where do you find the time? Because holy crap. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't sleep often. Uh, <laughs> I know the feeling. And it's just like I just really do the show. I mean, 
other than having a day job. Like I do this show and I'm exhausted. So I can't imagine like running a company and, you know, taking care of like a family full time. And then I was actually just on your website looking at your your convention schedule. Oh, yeah. Looks like a band's tour lineup. <laughs> it is, man. It is. It's um, it's hard. I mean, I'm not going to lie. You know, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily say that anybody can do this. Um, I would like to think that there's nothing specifically special about me other than my tenacity to get it done. But, um, you know, I did 36 events last year. Um, I'm already slated. Um, I have a partnership with Wizard World, um, which we can definitely talk about, uh, that is possibly going to see me doing at least 27 shows under their banner this year, let alone any of the other regional shows that I have uh, ties to. So, Yes, I will be a busy bee, but you know that old adage that, you know, if you're doing what you love, you never work a day in your life? Yes. That's me. That is me right there. Like, I can't, like, I mean, even at my most tired phase, all I need is another opportunity to pop up and I'm recharged. I'm right back into it. Um, this, this, is, this is like, if I, could, if I had a time machine, I would only use it to go back and tell my 10-year-old self, guess what you get to do for a living and then just leave like that's like, I would just like leave that nugget and then just disappear and never use it again i, I because... feel like the you know ripping you know the, that hole in time space might actually just like your your the 10 year old version of you's <laughs> brain would just would not might, like it might just explode like i you know i'll just go you know zap back through time and show him a picture of some of the things that you know it was like hey we did this and you're like what? yeah you might want to actually show <laughs> yeah, him the thing because you're like guess what we get to do in the future then you leave you're like well wait wait what Right. And it was like, just, just go the journey. Just stay the course, stay the course, stay the course. So yeah, it's, it's all about that though. Like for me, um, you know, I try to make friends wherever I go. Um, you know, granted it doesn't always work that way, but I'm that guy. I'm, I'm open. Um, anytime anybody has any questions, I'm all for it. Uh, in fact, that's something that has been done uh, with wizard a couple times. Like I'm a, I'm a huge advocate for, Wizard uh, Entertainment and Wizard World Conventions, which is not common through a lot of indie publishers. Um, but I have, I, like I said, I've been around for a while and I have an understanding of Wizard's place. And it's it's a beautiful thing if you get this understanding. And this is the part that, like, I kind of, I don't mean to chastise, but then at the same time, I kind of do for anyone who naysays what Wizard represents. And so what we have is, like, this is an organization that has fully embrace the pop cultural reverence of the comic book medium. They don't shy away from it. They, they embrace it wholeheartedly and they get knocked around a bit where people say that they shouldn't call themselves a comic con anymore because it's all, it's about celebrities or it's about movie stars or it's about this. It's about that. It's not about comics. Well, to me, that's not true. Comics have become a pop cultural medium in a way that we always wanted. Like, I mean, if you look at the like the early 90s, mid 90s and whatnot, look at all the toys, the video games, the cartoons like it was we pretty nice. wanted this. Right. Like we, this is the this is what we wanted. But now because everyone is is basically invited to our playground, we're kind of like, well, hold on. You know, I this is a little different. Like this is for the real. And it's it's like a sense of entitlement. That's not that's not good. Like we don't we don't need that. Um, to be this rampant voice within our industry. So for me, what I look at Wizard as is they are a stepping stone. Um, they are a premiere show, so obviously they do charge a certain amount of money. The thing is, though, is that they can almost guarantee a certain amount of opportunity. Now, I don't say business, um, and that's something that's very important that for anybody that's listening that's into comics, that is at a Comic-Con um, wanting to exhibit, whether it's a Wizard World show or anything else, it is not the show's responsibility to make sure you get sales. That is your job. Like you have to understand that you have to take that sense of responsibility unto yourself. It is the show's responsibility to bring people into the door. Like they have to boost your opportunities to make sales, but not actualize your sales for you. That's not their job. That is your job. Well, that so, would definitely be a little difficult, especially where, cause I mean, wizards, one of the, you know, the bigger, company so i can imagine yeah Absolutely. i mean there's no way they could possibly pull that off just from sheer logistics right like and and you'd be surprised how many people don't see it that way they want to make it something where you know it's very much so 
um, you know, oh, I didn't have a good I, I didn't have a good show and it's the show's fault. Unless the show did something that that truncated their their attendance. You can't blame the show. You got to look at yourself. And the reason why I say this is not to to piss on anybody. It's all about uplifting. If you are responsible for your successes and your failures, no one can be more impactful on what you do than you are. Like you get to have total control. It is something where if you do something really well, no one can step in and take it from you because it's yours. You did it. Um, And if you do something really poorly, you have the means to actually fix it as opposed to having to wait for someone else to build you an opportunity or platform or something to fix it for you. If you don't have to wait, you're way better off. So that's why I, I say that to people where, you know, take that responsibility for yourself. If you have a crappy show, you did something wrong, you know, and it's, that's harsh. I know it's harsh. It's mean. <laughs> but, you know, I wasn't going to say anything. It's true. I mean, I, I, I know it comes across as kind of, you know, thumping people in the face, but it's, it's supposed to be more empowering if you can see it that way. If you can't, well, then your perspective is going to be one that is going to limit you no matter what I say. So I'm trying to give you that, that, you know, that magic, you know, phrase or whatever that will, that will suddenly make something click. And all of a sudden you are the one, you know, Kung Fu and you know, you, you can do it all, you know, you get it, you know, all of a sudden. So that's what I'm always going to keep pumping those things out, but that's what wizard does. Um, in the sense of some of the other premiere shows that exist, the repop shows who I love the repop shows, my partnership with wizard, um, with standing, it does not take away from my love and adoration of repop shows. They have done a great job with establishing themselves as a true, you know, powerhouse in the comic book industry. I mean, right now they actually will have a three point across the nation uh, setup: uh, one in Seattle, one in Chicago, one in New York. You can't get better range than that. Um, but they are a juried or curated show. You can't just you know put down your money and get in. So. You have to you have to build up some stuff. You got to build up a name. They are a prestige based show. And, you know, in order to give the best show that they feel that they can, they want the best people. Well, if you haven't operated at a certain level, you don't get that opportunity. You're not you're not operating at the right scale that they're looking for. But if you get into a Wizard World show who doesn't curate and you can maintain doing a couple of them. Well, then it kind of shows that you have the chops to not only, you know, hold your own on a big open platform, but to maintain throughout the entire time. That's something that Repop is going to pay attention to. It's business. You know, they're going to say that, OK, you could afford, you know, a 300 plus dollar table fee and you made your money back. So that you did it a couple times. Well, then you can deal with our, you know, 400 plus dollar or 500 dollar fee. You know, if you can handle that. And, and your work is, is of the caliber that we're looking for, then we'll let you come in and see what you got. You can be a part of our show. If you can't do that, uh, you know. <laughs> well, to play devil's advocate a little bit, and I'm not uh-huh. even sure because I know there's definitely, I'm sure you've seen it too, there is definitely a, a very, I, well, it's it's not aggressive, but I mean, well, I don't know. I'll, maybe I'll tone it down from aggressive, like the a couple <laughs> of notches below, because that's really hyperbolic, but just as far as the competition between right. both companies and, I mean, at the end of the day, I guess, you know, the fans win, but I guess right. there's also the other side of the coin where it's it's getting really fierce, and you kind of wonder, you know, what's going to happen when the dust settles, because there's definitely like that the, a territorial battle going on. <laughs> of sorts, yes. Um, I've always called Wizard the Galactus of Comic Cons. And I know it sounds like really crazy, but okay, walk with me on this one. Okay, so in EarthX, um, shout out to Jim Kruger because I just met him at Wizard World Madison last week and it was, I totally geeked out. It was amazing. But in in EarthX, you, you find out that Galactus is not good nor bad. Galactus serves a purpose and it is to keep a balance of um, the Celestials. You know, they they try to, you know, populate as much as they can so that they can actually have control of the universe. And Galactus eats planets that actually have baby Celestials growing inside them. If you haven't read EarthX, again, you get no spoiler war- warning. This is a book that should be, like, prominently featured on your shelves. If you haven't read it, shame on you. Put your nose in the corner. Um, <laughs> but, so in that, in that vein, I think that's what Wizard does. Wizard comes in if an area seems viable. They set up shop, try to see what kind of business they can do. Um, at times, they will purchase smaller venues within that that region, bring them under the Wizard World imprint, and and host a, a show. 
that's very pop cultural, you know, friendly. Um, and, and I say friendly, not based, but friendly because, you know, they still have comics there. They need comics there. They have Artist Alley. They've got comic uh, book vendors, um, all kinds of different things. So they'll set that up. And what that does is if your show is weak, you lose. You go under. If your show is strong, you maintain. And maybe Wizard will stick around for a little while and then they'll leave. Or, you know, maybe you'll hold your own, actually be a competitor, and rather than compete with you, they'll leave. There's all kinds of different things that can happen where what ultimately happens is we get better shows. It happened here in Ohio. Um, Wizard bought a number of different shows that, that were very small, did exist, and then they consolidated them all under Wizard World Ohio. So then after that, we got Cincinnati Comic Expo. Then we've got Cincinnati Comic Con. We've got Akron Comic Con. We had a, a few pop up last year in Cleveland. All of these couldn't have existed because there were other shows that were already there and nobody wanted to compete. Nobody wanted to contest what those shows were. So Wizard comes in and says, we'll contest it. And if it's not strong, we'll take it and then we'll clear the air. It's like a wildfire. They clear the brush and then new stuff gets to pop up. But now you see that there's a level that you have to operate at because Wizard has set the bar, you know, and if you want to maintain, you got to either meet that bar or purposefully operate as something different, operate as, as something unique and, and on its own, something wholly, you know, not that level of show. But then you'll run the risk of not pulling in the numbers, the clientele, the business that Wizard does and setting up the opportunities for creators, for vendors, for other people, for your fans, especially that Wizard does. So it's it's it has its place. And and I think that when the dust all settles, that's what we'll ultimately get is we will get better comic cons, you know, Which um, I surely hope so, because to me, that is the end result. Mm -hmm. And because, again, I know early on it felt that way where I don't necessarily I mean, personally, I can't speak for you or anybody else who's listening, what have you. Right. You know, to me, I guess it's less about, you know, waving a particular banner as, as much as it is, you know, when I go to a, like, go to a convention, do they provide a good experience? Right. And there's no worse feeling than leaving a convention feeling like you've, you know, you've lost out. Right. Right. And, and that's see, coming that's... from a fan's point of view, because I, I mean, honestly, I've never been an exhibitor. I mean, I would like to be at some you point. You do but... it. I mean, you have you have a podcast. You should totally be hitting it up as press. Again, well, this is kind of one of the reasons why I like what you do as far as, you know, because, again, it's an idea because, again, we just started off talking about things like, well, that seemed like too big a goal. No, no. Believe me, it's it's quite easy to establish yourself as press, um, set up, you know, in some of these different places and get an opportunity to speak to people, showcase your 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 stories, your your presence from the shows, even like there's a lot of stuff you can do. Huh? I guess at oh, some point yeah. we might have to like actually get into that discussion. Oh yeah, because <laughs> unfortunately, yeah. like we're going off and it's like, oh, there's so many things I want to touch on because there's so many things that work here. I mean, we haven't even gotten into the comics themselves. I know. Sorry, I get I get off I get excited. That's my fault. No, and that's but again, <laughs> I think that's why I you know dig what you do because again, why do this if you're not excited or thrilled about it? Exactly. Exactly. Because and this goes into anything that anybody does. Because there's there's nothing worse than talking to somebody who, even if it's not how they feel, but it comes off like they you know they hate it. And I'm like, well, shit. I'm I mean, just <laughs> why are you doing it then? <laughs> right. <laughs> so let's get into a little bit about your actual like the um some of the books that you have. Sure. So I don't know if you want to give like a basic overview because I don't know like how much you have time for. It because again, I would love to get into all of this. I know this is this is what happens. Like you get all excited, you get to talk, and then you're like, "Crap, I'm out of time." Um, so right now, what I have is the the magnificence of a wide range of of books, um, and it's kind of funny. Like like I said, I did the eight bit stuff for so long, um, and quietly had built like a nice little library of of titles. That what I ended up with is, let's see, uh, one, two, three, four series that perfectly. Uh, are, are aimed at different audiences. So I've got an all-ages title called Wonder Care Presents the Kindergartens that I do with uh, Justin Castaneda. Um, brilliant, brilliant cartoonist, comic creator, storyteller um, from outside of a uh, Chicago area. Um, Justin is my boy, man. Like, um, we met on the, on the con circuit and we've clicked and what he's done with this series is nothing short of phenomenal. Um, but with this, it's essentially... Muppet Babies meets the Justice League, 
All right. <laughs> I know, right? Like you said, and you're like, oh my god, I have to have this. And the funny uh-huh. thing is, I, I you had me at Muppet Babies. Is that bad? That like I was more excited about Muppet Babies even in the Justice League. No, no, no. That's that's perfect. This is why I like you. That's what this is. Like I could tell that you were you have great taste. That's what it is. Um, <laughs> that but, and I spent way too much time in front of a television as your child. That's me too. That is me too. <laughs> this is like seriously, you're speaking my language. Um, but in it, like they go to a specialized training facility called Wonder Care, and it's for them to be trained to be heroes of tomorrow. These are little kids with superpowers. But along the way, um, and this is where the Muppet Babies aspect comes into play is they end up having their own little adventures. Like, I didn't want to have, you know, these kids take part in big, massive crossover events where they're fighting a Galactus-type figure alongside their parents. That's not what this is. This is them utilizing their own imaginative, you know, uh, environments and creating their own sort of mini-adventures along the way. So we've got issue one out, and it's called How Far Is Up? And in it, our resident speedster, Pep, who's essentially the daughter of, of Flash, if you will. If I had to you know, do that comparative, that's what she is. And she's got this idea that there's a place where the sky and ground meet. And if she just runs fast enough, she could run from the ground into the sky, just like she does on water. And so the whole issue is her trying to figure out how to do it. You know, um, it's it's really cute. It's got a lot of heart to it. Um, I I fell in love with these characters a while ago. And then once I started getting the artwork in from, from Justin, it was just made deeper. Um, we've got issue two coming out probably by the end of the month called what can't your dad do. So if you think about it, you know, you've got that context of little kids always, you know, comparing their parents in, in certain ways. My dad could beat your dad, but these are superhero <laughs> parents. So when they say my dad could beat your dad, it's quite possible that they've actually fought, you know? Um, and they, you know, they have these different, like, connotations about themselves and, and and what they rate up to with comparison to what their parents can do. I know I was that kid, you know, my dad was a uh, really into sports. I sucked at sports as a child. So I would always <laughs> kind of look at him and be like, how do you do this? Like my dad is so much cooler than me when it comes to sports. I can't do any of this stuff. Like I don't even know. So, you know, take that in the superhero context and see what happens. So it's, it's a lot of fun. I love that series tremendously. Um, from there, we have a, a teen book called uh, Origins Unknown. It's um, I compare that one to, uh, I would say, Vertigo's demo series. Um, oh, where- see the, uh, the Brian Wood, Becky Cluner one? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. See, that's a whole other podcast right there because you know what? <laughs> oh, demo screwed up my head so much. Come on now. That was one of those books, man, that was just beautiful. Absolutely. It was beautiful, but it was such a mind trip. It was. It was. And that's kind of what I played with with this one, where they're, uh, the first issue um, is three short stories. Each one ends in a cliffhanger. And the idea is that these are characters that um, learn some sort of hidden heritage or secret about themselves that's going to change their fate and possibly the fate of the world. Um, each of the series will actually branch off into uh, their own individual series uh, in the years to come. But I wanted to kind of use this as a secret origin style title where I can introduce certain things that will actually play out in the broader spe- spectrum of the Vantage in-house universe. So like this is this is my my secret origins way of, of you know planting a seed about this thing and planting a, a nugget about this that'll actually reveal itself later on or you'll you'll notice something um, has popped up somewhere else and it's just kind of building this whole world in in and uh, united universe if you will. Um, it's a lot of fun. It's probably the one that I have the least to say about only because there's so much more that's coming that's not yet available. So like, I'll, I'll keep that one pretty hush um, on all the different ways that it impacts things. But um, look for volume two, which will feature three brand new stories coming soon, as well as the offshoots to begin, um, ideally speaking, by the end of the year. So this will that's a fun series. I can't wait to bring more um, out with that one. Um then we go more young adult with uh, The Trouble with Love. This one is a series that I did. Oh, I'm sorry. I got to go back and say Origins Unknown. I did with Jacob Newell. Um, he's a ta- very talented illustrator um, from Lima, Ohio. Um, so shout out to Jacob. He's actually got some uh, personal projects that he's got coming out. Um, hopefully we'll see those soon. And maybe I can get him back on to Origins Unknown. Um, but The Trouble with Love I did with uh, Harold Edge on line art and Ryan Carter. And uh, Harold, I, I saw his work on a series called Fallen Justice from Red Handed Studios and just was like, yes, please. And um, <laughs> I knew the writer, Carrie, 
somewhat well and enough that I could reach out to Carrie and say, Hey, can I, can I steal your artist for a little bit? And he's like, yeah, do it. And um, I pitched this, uh, this story to Harold and Harold's like, let's, let's go, let's do it. And he like to say he knocked it out of the park is the understatement of all things. Um, the trouble with love is probably my, my most critically acclaimed piece so far. Um, it's gotten the most write-ups. Um, in fact, I got a write-up on, um, uh, comic resources last year under the comic should be good. Um, African-American creator spotlight. Um, hopefully we get something like that again this year. That'd be amazing. Oh, congratulations, man. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, in it, I play around with uh, a Superman archetype. I love Superman. He's a great character. If you can really get into him, um, sometime we'll have to talk about Man of Steel and what your thoughts on that one. Oof. Um, yeah, I, oh, man. I, okay, this is, you know, I'm going to write this down. I got to put this because and that one you might have to actually like set a, at least two hours for that one. We can, do that. we can do that. I understand. It's worth it. Yes. Um, <laughs> but um, in it, I wanted to play around with the notion of emotional uh how do i put this the emotional culpability of superheroes so apex prime it has a wife has a family and then he falls in love with someone else and years later he's basically tasked tasked with proving how human he is to his son you know his son is like why did you do you know this 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 and this and he's like listen when you feel a certain way how do you fight that you know when you when you legitimately feel, what are you supposed to do to counter that? Huh. You know, I don't have that answer. Though I can I can bench press, you know, a building or three. Um, I can fly around the world in, in seconds. I can't tell you how to turn off my heart. I don't know how. You know, um, and that's it's it's a very emotional piece. Like it's though it's superhero based. It is not fights and tights. It is it is a father son relationship drama story and. I've been very fortunate with the with the responses to it. Um, you know, more often than not, people are loving it. Um, I've had some people that are like, oh, nope, it's about infidelity. Don't want to read it, um, which is fair. <laughs> I definitely understand. It's a very challenging story. But Ow, that's... Oh. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It's it's been it's been a magical one. Um, it's gorgeous to look at. It was our first uh, full color piece and it stood on its own with that alone. For a while, I mean, Ryan did such a great job. Um, shout out to Jeff Balke for um, producing um, uh, the the colors for the cover. Um, he did a phenomenal job on top of uh, Harold's lines. It was just absolutely incredible. I've got I've got some pretty awesome people that I've worked with. Um, I can't say enough about them. Like I can't wait to work with them again. It's going to be amazing. Um, and then we have the book that started Vantage In House, the one that started it all. Our mature title, The Samaritan. Um, this one I did with my buddy, Ren McKenzie. Um, uh, Ren has been my, my, my homie from way back. That's my brother. Like we, we, we've, we've hit that magical point of friendship where we don't call each other friends. Like we're brothers. That's just what it is. Um, he'll be with me, um, in, in artist alley at wizard world, Indianapolis, this, this, uh, this coming weekend. And, you know, we've, we've been through it. You know what I mean? Like when I first started doing shows, he was right there and we've trudged and we've grown and we've seen things and, and, I couldn't wait to do this project with him to really put my my foot out there and say, I'm here. This is my imprint. This is what I do and have my buddy work with me on it. Um, it was a huge treasure with this one. OK, I'm going to blow your mind with this description. It's going to mess you up. You'll probably laugh at me. It's all fair. Um, That's OK. I don't do Well, if it makes you feel any better, I don't like I won't do a spit take. I don't know. It depends on how deep I'm going to laugh. But maybe you might. You might not. I don't know. OK, here I'm just we go. kidding. <laughs> You ever seen the movie Roadhouse? Um, yeah. Too many times I almost admit. With Patrick Swayze? Yeah. Okay. Okay, this is, Okay, that's fair. Okay, so you're like me. I love that movie. Like, it is ridiculous how much I love that movie. It is probably the most homoerotic, heterosexual movie to ever exist. Like, they, they the things that they know. say to each Top other, Gun might if you were to just take that, that out of context, it sounds terrible. Oh, Top Gun is pretty. Yeah, you're right. Top Gun might actually beat that. Hands down. That's true. But there's something <laughs> cool about Roadhouse to me. <laughs> wow. Like, I really, I do have to put that in there. Top Gun really does, man. Woo. Um, yeah. <laughs> but that's, with, a, that's, a, that's, a, that's a difficult watch after a while. It is, man. Because what, I, what felt so subtle is pretty blatant. It's, oh, it's mad blatant. Like, it's so, <laughs> it's the high fives. It's all in the high fives. You can see it. Um, <laughs> but the, the idea of Roadhouse where Dalton, 
is brought in to clean up, you know, horrible bars. And then he does it and then he moves on. I'm like, that is such a brilliant context. Like, I think that concept is amazing. And so I wanted to do it. And so what I have is the character Smith. And he is an African-American Superman level type character. Um, But he doesn't do a costume. He doesn't have a code name. What he does is he just moves into crime ridden areas, little neighborhoods, and starts systematically cleaning it up. As he sees fit, removing, you know, problematic elements. If you're a drug dealer, he's coming after you. If you do domestic violence, he's coming after you. If you're a drug user, he's going to intervene in some way, shape, or form. He's going to try to help if he can, be a little more forceful if he has to. Um, you know, and it's, 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 it's raw. You know, it's, I use very terse language. Um, it is for the secular audience. If you are a, a very hyper-Christian spiritual person, I would probably tell you to avoid it. Even though it does have, um, you know, the the parable undertones. I mean, the Good Samaritan is a story that we definitely know, and I definitely hold an aspect of it. But um, language-wise, it ain't the Bible. I'm going to tell you that right now. No, no, no. Um, No, no. In fact, I have to deter kids. Um, It's got some brilliant cover work on it, and I have to deter kids. It's like, oh, this is awesome. like, no, 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 no. Your parents are right there. I need to talk to them first before you can look at this book. There are some things. So, mm -mm. mm-mm. but that one is is a fantastic series. It's seven issues. Um, probably one of the the books that I've I'm probably the most proud of that one because of all the different ways that we purposefully did things within it um, that were executed to perfection. Like um, I will I will tell everyone, each issue is only eight pages long. Every single issue. That's interesting. It's 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 hilarious and. Each page, though, is done in a nine-panel grid. And when I pitched this to Ren, he's like, why? Like, this is boring. And I'm like, slow down. Trust me. I said, the thing is, is that because these books are so short, we need to extend the reading experience. And so we purposefully broke up the panels in a way that certain panels will group together to form one image, but the, the gutters in between naturally slow you down. You can't just hop from panel to panel to panel. You can take in a panel, but then you have to kind of pull back to see how it fits in the broader scape of a scene. And so by way of doing that, you have to read it slower. Like you have to. And so the fact that it's only eight pages isn't so much of a scam or, or a ripoff to you, the reader, because we actually are affecting how you intake the information. You will read it slower. Um, and this was proven, like, it was funny because when we first did it, Ren is like, this is not going to work. And I'm like, I'm telling you it's going to work. Frank Miller did it with, with 300 when he made it landscape. So it took you longer to get through the page. Like, trust me, we can do this. Frank, <laughs> we can do it. And he's like, you said Frank Miller, man. I'm like, yeah, we can do what Frank did. And he's like, you are stupid. Um, but the first guy that bought it was my good friend, Lee Newman. Okay. And Lee buys it on like Friday of C2E2. It was the, the second C2E2, my first time exhibiting under the Vantage House imprint there. And he comes back the next day and is like, oh my God, this book was amazing. So good. I need to buy another copy. So I have one to loan out. And we're like, oh, that's awesome. He's like, well, what did you like? He's like, man, that part on page 12 in the middle of the book, blah, 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 blah. And I just look at Ring and he looks at me and he's like, he didn't say that. I said, where did you say this was? He's like, in page 12. It was like on page 12. And we're like, there is no page 12. And he's like, yes, it is. There's page 12. It's in the middle of the book. And I'm like, well, show me. And he opens up the book, dead smack to the middle. And I go, that's page four. And he's like, no, it's not. <laughs> and he's like flipping pages and he's counting as he does it. And he's like, one, two, three. Oh, crap. This book is only eight pages? And I said, yes. And he's like, I thought it was like a full book. And Ray just kind of puts his head down like, damn it, I can't tell him nothing from now on. He's always going to hold this above me. It's been four years. I still tell this story with great vigor. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what, though? It's like, I don't know. How do you even pull it off without it seeming like a bait and switch? Um, That was the whole key, was make the story as impactful as possible, as rich as possible, so that you don't actually notice that it's actually smaller. Um, that was the whole key. It's how he wrote it. It's how he drew it. And it worked so well that no one has ever come back to complain. The only aspect of complaint is that the series ended and they wanted more story, but not in the the facet of 
how big the books are. Um, so, I mean, overall, to get the whole series, it's 56 pages, you know, um, but it takes you on a full enough journey that I've never had anybody complain about the eight page format size. Not at all, ever. I'll have to check this in because only now, now that I know what I'm up against, I wonder if I'm going to fall into the same fed of like, what do you mean it's only eight pages? I'll tell you, like, I, I totally, I, I do wonder that. Like, if I tell anybody that if they read it, do they notice? I'm going to say that you won't notice unless you like specifically are trying to. But I'm going to say by the end of the first issue, you will not notice. I'm calling. That's right. All right. Well, challenge accepted. Yes. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I, I know you said you had to go. But hopefully before you do, tell the good people, you know, where they could find you in, in the world. Oh, my God. I'm everywhere. Like, I'm, I'm probably in your closet right now <laughs> to you. Um, <laughs> Just don't step on no, my comics. That's all I'm going to say. Just don't step no, on my comics. I'm very, I'm very conscious about my comic stepping. Um, okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> you can find me on, on the internet. Um, my website is uh, www.vantageinhouse, all one word, .blogspot.com. Um, like me on Facebook, you know, Facebook forward slash Vantage Inhouse. Um, follow me on Twitter at Vantage Inhouse. Everything is Vantage Inhouse. I'm all about branding all the time, every time. Um, check my uh, my convention page. Um, I need to update it because there, there are a few that I have to add in there. But I'm probably coming to a show near you. Um, I'm hitting up a bunch of different places. Indianapolis this weekend, Cleveland next weekend. Um, there's a chance that I'll be doing uh, the Fandom Fest uh, at, the, at the first part of March. I'll be at Raleigh. Um, I'm doing DanCon in Chicago, so if I don't do Phantom Fest, you come see me at DanCon. I'll be at uh, Gem City in uh, Dayton, Ohio, uh, at the end of March. I'm everywhere. Like I am, I'm one of those guys. Um, you can find my work on IndiePlanZone.com. Um, if you are a supporter of African American comic creators, I implore you to go hit up Peep Game Comics, comics with an X dot com. Um, it is a platform, a digital platform specifically, um, to highlight African-American creators. Um, so it's it's another venue um, if that is your particular market. If you want to uh, support in that vein, definitely hit that up. Um, there's some great, wonderful, talented people um, in there. So, yeah, definitely do that. Definitely, definitely. Awesome, Victor. Thank you so much. And hopefully um, we'll have you back on because I feel like we, we barely even like skim the surface of all That's the true. stuff I wanted to cover. That is true. We will. We will. Def- I will be back. Like, consider that done. Cool. All right, you guys. Well, that'll do it for uh, Agent Has Issues. I'm Agent, and we will see you next issue.